Hello and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. This is actually episode 100 of the show, so it has been, this is what, our third, going into our third season. We started in the summer of 2020, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. Wait, so is this our fourth season? Our fourth season. Yeah, I was just oh my kind God. of like, yeah, I was like, wait, that's right. <laughs> Somehow it's our fourth season. <laughs> so we're entering our senior year of uh, college eligibility on Chasing Perfection. Episode 100. Our last episode was actually our most listened ever. So if you have listened since episode one, welcome back. Thank you. If you are new here, welcome we have a new policy this season after the way things went last year that we don't discuss other teams in the country that are new UConn because that just does not go well for us. So yeah, episode 100, nice and exciting. Uh, maybe we will celebrate that later on, have some friends on or something, but had to get back into the flow of it. We have certainly enjoyed our time off in the summer. I think Megan has probably been to more foreign countries than uh, we have podcasts recorded since the end of the season. So time to get back on the horse and get rolling because preseason started. The team had its first official practice on, I believe it was Tuesday. And we are pretty much a month out from the first regular season game. So it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I don't understand when that happened, but it is October. And our first night is next week and it is all coming very quickly. Yeah, before we know it, K.K. Arnold and Ashlyn Schlater are going to be having uh, their senior day ceremonies. <laughs> oh, <But God. laughs> for now, they are still freshmen. And I've been thinking about this a lot. What are expectations for this season? And I think there's a lot of cautious optimism with an emphasis on the cautious because <laughs> as we've seen the last two years and as we saw with Jana L. Alfie, you never know what's going to hit. You know, never know what injuries might happen. So I think the way I'm looking at this season is no matter what happens, this year will be a success if it's just fun. Because that means Paige and AZ and company are healthy and they're playing well. And we aren't spending every single episode talking about, all right, well, how do they replace this player? What are they going to do now that they only have two guards? How many minutes are they going to need Enesh to play today? All of the things that we've had to deal with. And it's been really four kind of terrible seasons in a row for lots of different reasons. The last two were all the injuries. The year before that was the COVID season, and no one enjoyed the COVID season. Honestly, if Paige Beckers didn't do what Paige Beckers did, I have no idea how we would have gotten through that COVID season. And then the vibes, even though this doesn't include the podcast, but just the vibes of that 2019-20, the Megan Walker team, were so incredibly bad. Gino was just eternally grumpy that entire season. That wasn't really any fun either. So we're rolling into four consecutive years of just not much enjoyment out of these seasons. So my goal for the season is for it to be fun because I think if it's fun then things are going pretty well on and off the court. Exactly. Fingers crossed and nothing else more that we are done talking about injuries on every single episode of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Gino actually had a really funny little bit going during his press conference. He said he was in Hungary. There's one of the youth world cups was there or something. 
and he went into the shop and told the shop there's he said there was just stuff piled everywhere told the shop owner that he needed some good luck and he was like she didn't even speak english but she just pointed to these beads and he said they cost like eight euros or whatever so now he wears these brownish beads a, a bracelet of brownish beads on his wrist hoping <laughs> that that cures whatever is going on they've tried sage they've tried holy water they had like an indigenous dancer come in now you're going on to uh <laughs> what like what is the proper term for this would it be like isn't hungary near where transylvania is so i guess oh maybe yeah <laughs> draw your own connections with whatever term that you want to use i don't feel like getting yelled at on the first episode of the season but anyways yeah they're trying everything <laughs> and i really hope it works because i'm really sick of getting the email this person injured or watching it happen on the court or gino telling us and then having to write the story and then the all right how do they deal without <laughs> this person so yeah i'm sick of it i can't imagine how they feel yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to the day when i don't flinch when i get an email from anna SID. <laughs> i think it's just ingrained in us yeah <laughs> I, I don't know that that day will ever come and i don't even know if it's a flinch it's like a a half second <laughs> moment of panic and then you see it's like a new series or sometimes it's even something more benign like we're having an availability or oh passing along this info but yeah it's it's always a scary sight when that comes through or you know someone hits the ground even in practice like Ah, someone trips and falls, and your first thought is, oh my god, did they just, do they need to decapitate the leg? Or not decapitate, <laughs> amputate the leg? No, they just they just bent over to stretch. <laughs> I think it's called trauma. I think that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, so we have about a month to go until the first real games, but we actually have seen the Huskies play in four games. They went over to Europe for a European tour, played four games, had no practice in between. And you could split those two games up pretty easily. You got the all-star games where they played all-stars from a couple different countries, Croatian, Italy, all-stars in name only because my God, were they terrible at basketball? <laughs> but then the two clubs that they played, particularly, I think Pesh was the last one, which might've been Dorka Juhas's youth club or something i think dorky Haas had a connection to it actually gave uconn a bit of a fight so they got two pretty good games two i mean one game was so bad and so pathetic that they ended it after three quarters and some people were saying that it was hot in the gym but yes if that was a 10 point game and it was hot in the gym they wouldn't have ended it it was so embarrassing the other team had just totally stopped playing that every single possession was just uconn sealing the ball going down and laying it up so you got to take those games with a grain of salt given the circumstances given the competition and especially the fact that there is no page backers in them she sat them out but we did learn a little bit namely the freshman can play particularly kk arnold not to toot my own horn but i have been pumping the az not the az the kk arnold hype train 
ever since I saw her in Chicago. So I feel very vindicated here. That kid is going to be a stud and she is going to be an impact player for this team right now. Game one, we're going to see it. And yeah, there's going to be the freshman problems here and there, but this kid can play and UConn is going to have no problems at the point guard position for the next four years. Yeah, they might have the, the deepest team in the country at the, the point guard position this year between Paige Beckers, Nika Mule, and KK Arnold. It's quite the lineup. Yeah, a little bit of a change from last year where yeah. <laughs> you have Nika and then you have the break glass and panic button. No in between. <laughs> this year you could play all... Th- and that's the thing. You can play all three at once and it's not like they all have to be ball heavy. I mean... I feel like it's probably a little harder for Nika to play off the ball. She doesn't quite have that offensive skill or the thing that stands out with KK is her burst. She is so quick, so fast, so explosive that she just defenses have to keep track of where she is because of how fast she can get from one spot to another. So you have Nika at the point page and KK playing off the ball. That would be a really fun lineup to watch. I bet we get that at some point. Yeah. I think we will. It'll be exciting. I think for this is going to be a lot of exciting things to talk about in the backcourt this season. Yeah. Two of the other freshmen that we saw, someone, I think probably the biggest surprise from the European trip, at least from my perspective, having already seen KK Arnold play, was how much they trusted Caden Samuels and how much they were willing to let her take shots. Caroline Ducharme, because she might just be the unluckiest person on the planet. Only played in half the games because she kept taking shots off the head. She started. So when Caroline wasn't in the starting lineup, it was Caden Samuels in the starting lineup, which is a pretty good sign for a freshman. She did not play that well when I was in Chicago, so I wasn't writing her off because of it, but I wasn't coming back raving about her the way that I was KK. That was impressive from her, and then... Ashlyn Shade, I think, is going to have a very freshman year where there's going to be games where she's great and she does a lot. And she's very, I don't want to compare her to Gabby Williams because she's not Gabby Williams in any form or fashion, but just in the way that Gabby Williams would impact the game in so many different ways. She could pass, she could rebound, she could score, she could defend, she could do so many things. Ashlyn is the same way. But there's also moments where Ashlyn completely looks like a freshman, melts a little bit. So there's going to be times Ashlyn looks great. She has a great game. And other times where you just shake your head and go, what the heck was she trying to do? And there's going to be games where she does both in the span of probably five minutes. So (laughs) either way, all the freshmen looked like they can contribute something and will contribute something at some point. It's going to be different levels of it, but from what we've seen right now, this coaching staff has hit a home run with the freshman class. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. And I think it's exciting also that they're coming into a team and knock on wood, obviously, but I don't think we've really seen this so far where they don't necessarily need to contribute. There's a lot of established pieces and a lot of experience on this team and if everyone stays healthy I think what the freshman could contribute is really a bonus for this team versus a necessity right you can plug them in Gino loves giving the freshman one thing to do like oh you're really good at this then just 
He wants them to go be really good at what they're really good at, and they will figure out what they need to improve on at a later date. These freshmen, that's exactly what they're going to ask of them. Go do what you're really good at because Paige and AZ and Caroline and Aaliyah, they can carry the scoring, and Aaliyah and Ice and Aubrey. Actually, Aubrey can carry the scoring too. She looked really good in Europe. She looked as good as we've ever seen Aubrey Griffin, just in terms of assertiveness and aggressiveness. When she had the ball in her hand, she was looking to make a play one way or another, which, as we know with Aubrey Griffin, is not always the case. So you've got people who can score, who can rebound, do all the dirty work. These freshmen are going to be tasked with doing what they do well, and that is really just being an energizer buddy if you're KK, playing good defense, shooting if you're Caden Samuels and really just doing whatever you find yourself in a position to do. If you're Ashlyn shade. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a very, again, knock on wood. They're going to be eased into it, but they're still going to be asked to play pretty big roles too. Yeah, definitely. I think it can't hurt, too, that they've gotten this little bit of game experience. Obviously, we said take it with a, a grain of salt, considering the opponent somewhat, but to have that game experience with the team early on in the summer, I think it's going to help a lot. You're not waiting until, you know, an exhibition game in November to to see the form and the floor in any kind of game setting. Um, you, you get that experience over the summer, which can only help them kind of be a little bit more ready as the season gets here. Yeah, and last two years, we've gotten really good examples of why you can't put too much stock into exhibitions. Dorka looked like she was going to be an All-American based on that first game that she played at UConn. And Ayanna Patterson seemed like she was going to be a force of nature, and neither of those things worked out, at least in that season that followed. Well, I guess Dorka never became an All-American, but she was really good last season. It's going to be different when it's a real game, when you're not just playing in front of a tiny crowd in a tiny gym, but it is a full gamble pavilion. People are screaming. The lights are off. But yeah. The chemistry alone is what makes those games valuable because now the staff has a good idea of what these players can do. The returning players know what the freshmen can do. And even the freshmen know what they can do. So you have real examples of why this needs to get fixed, why they're asking you to do X, Y, Z four games is not nothing, or I guess 3.75 games is not nothing. And like we talk about that in the context of the regular season, when they play their fourth regular season game or their fifth regular season game is going to be at the end of November. And a lot happens in that first month. Exactly. It's, there's only so much you can take from it, but it's still, I think, a significant leg up versus playing your first game in, in November. Another big storyline out of Europe, AZ Fudd, just in terms of numbers, did AZ Fudd things. She had at least one 30-point performance. A little dubious on the stats. I, I counted her in that. She had like 38 points in that first game. <laughs> and I, I'm a little uncertain if she had that. But I think part of it is how have we seen AZ's big performances happen? They She just explodes for a period and starts knocking down threes and just takes over the game. And what I noticed rewatching these games in Europe was that AZ never had that explosion, that takeover 
and that's not a bad thing. That means that she was really steady. She was just contributing the entire time and it wasn't one big avalanche of points. It was a steady buildup. So maybe it didn't feel like however many points she had in that opener because a quarter of them came in every single quarter as opposed to having 25 points in a 30 point performance in the second half or in the second quarter, the way that she did last year. So I think that's a good sign for UConn because if everything goes to plan, AZ FUD is the number two scorer behind Paige. So you still have that explosive ability in your back pocket. It's not like it's a bad thing when someone can score 15 points in the span of two minutes. But if you're getting those explosions on top of a much higher foundation she's going to score 15 points a night regardless and that can turn into a 30 or a 40 point night if those three start to fall that i think is something that is very fun to imagine and think about with az what could that look like if she's a much more steady player she doesn't need that time to grow in or settle into games Agreed. I think we saw that at times last year. There was probably a handful of games where she was kind of consistent throughout, but it was a lot of that, you know, big quarter, big run that she puts together that obviously can carry the team and is special in its own right and that it can just, you know, open up the score. But if she can be consistent and then add that piece on top of it, this team is going to be a lot better off for it. I don't know why I feel like making this prediction right now, but I, I feel like by the time AZ FUD graduates, she's going to hold the single game scoring record, which is 46 by Nikisha, Sh- Nikisha, Shales. Nikisha Sales against Stanford in December 1997. But we just see when that shot starts falling and the rim looks like looks huge to her, those points really add up. And I'm really getting ahead of myself here. But next year, if you lose Paige, you lose Aaliyah, that is a lot of scoring that's out the door. Maybe early in the season, they need AZ to step up for a big game. So if she's already averaging like 20 points and then the three start falling, 46 doesn't seem that far away. Anyways, that is random predictions with Daniel. <laughs> that's a big one. I was like, where do you see this happening with Aria and Paige Beckers and Aaliyah? Edwards on the floor, but I, I see the vision more now next year. <laughs> yeah. It, it if it happens this year, it, if if she even cracks 40 this year, that would be something has probably gone wrong in some other part of the world or other part of the team if that happens. Or she set the NCAA record for three pointers in a game because yeah. she's just cooking. <laughs> Anyways, back back to Europe. The other thing that stood out to me we actually saw ice brady for the first time i feel like it's hard to make any sweeping generalizations because it really looked like she was knocking the rust off but we did get a pretty good idea of the rotation hierarchy among the players who were available i think it really hurts that we didn't get to see ayana patterson because i'm just so curious about her everyone has nothing but good things to say she works hard she seemed like she was turning a corner at the end of the year, but then the minutes don't follow. Is that because she was hurt and they just didn't want to reveal that? That's my current theory. But of the players that were there, it's very clearly everyone, and then excluding Paige, Amari, and Ayana, obviously, and Enesh, because 
Gino would put everyone in early in the game. He would really rotate the players through, but then Enish wouldn't come in until a much, much later time. And my theory is that when you put the ball in her hands and she is the point guard, she is the floor general and has total control over the offense, she can handle that just fine. And we saw that against Maryland last year. She was fully capable of running the point. I think the problem is, especially at UConn, what else is she doing out there when she doesn't have the ball? And I think that's the problem. She doesn't really do a whole lot. When the ball is not in her hand, she's not a great defender. It's not like she's a standout shooter. She's not super athletic. She's obviously not a rebounder as a smaller guard. So that's probably what her limitation is and why she doesn't see a whole lot of playing time. Because as we talked about, they got a lot of really good point guards. It's really hard for Nesh to break into that lineup when all those other point guards are bringing something else to the table too. Yeah, I think that's very much the case. And more indicative of what we thought her role would be when she kind of arrived in stores. I think what happened in the mess of the injuries last year was was not her intended role. She was not supposed to be starting point guard against Maryland. She wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> she arrived the day classes started. I, I think it was nine days between when she committed and when classes started or something insane like that. So she wasn't even supposed to be here. I still maintain like credit to her for staying considering the talent that they brought in the front court. But I think you send her to like another school in the big East or an a 10 school. And she's a starting point guard and whoever has her is very, very happy that they do because she can play. It's not like in the past, some of these end of the rotation players, they go in there and you just kind of wonder what the coaching staff saw. We know Enish can play, but in the scheme of what they want and what everyone else brings, yeah, it's hard for her to make her way into the lineup. Agreed. But that's it on Europe. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds and start talking about, you know, well, this player, during the 10 minutes that they were on against Pesh, I thought that the way that they handled the ball screen was very concerning on defense. We do not need to get that deep on any game. Actually could be the national championship game. We're not going to dive that deep. So looking ahead to the games that are coming, we have the full schedule. My God, it took long enough. (laughs) Friends bugging me saying, Hey, you want to do this thing later in the year? And it's like, let me know, or I'll, I'll let you know when the women's basketball schedule comes out. Okay, cool. One month later. Hey, is that out yet? No. No. We finally have it. The season, I guess, technically begins when Southern Connecticut comes to Gamble Pavilion on November 4th, but the official season opener is against Tamika Williams, Jeter, and Dayton on November 8th, a Wednesday at the XL Center. I don't love me an XL opener, but yeah, there really aren't too many XL games outside of winter break, so can't complain too much. They've got a lot of what I would call B tier non conference games. There's no one that you have circled as this is going to be the game of the season. Two powerhouses going at it, but NC State, Maryland, UCLA is a really good game. I don't want to. Yeah, knock actually, that. I, yeah, I was gonna say I, I might say that about the UCLA. It's not like it's not if like LSU was on the schedule, but I, I do right. think that UCLA game is 
maybe a bigger one than people think. Yeah, or probably just because it's not the history that would be there with South Carolina or Notre Dame or even Tennessee, like way, way back. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be a good game. Like Texas is going to be a good team. UNC will be a solid team. I don't really know what Louisville will be, but the name recognition is there. We'll get a funny quote out of Jeff Walls. Notre Dame, I think, actually should look a lot more like Notre Dame games of the past. I think they'll have a really good team, and ideally UConn will be healthy, won't lose their best player at some point, <laughs> and we'll be able to survive that. And I know we said we're not knocking other teams, but objectively i i just don't really see it with south carolina they've they're gonna have a good team they will not be bad they will probably be a top 10 team next year but they are not gonna be the dominant unstoppable force that they were with Aaliyah boston they're just gonna be like everybody else this year and if uconn is what we expect them to be i don't think they'll have too much trouble on their trip down to south carolina so a very good non-conference schedule that's just missing that crown jewel game yeah i agree i think there's a lot of top 10 type games on here maybe not top two top three i mean the ucla game could be a top three type game i I think they're going to be very good they bring back a lot of what they had last year from what was a a pretty good team get charisma osborne back and then you add lauren Betts, one of the the biggest transfer portal pickups as well so i think they're going to be very good um but like you said, no other kind of like marquee matchup, but plenty of tests, right? Like I think when we got get to the conference slate, there's there's a little bit to, left to be desired in the Big East slate this year. So it's good to see that a lot of these teams that are kind of going to round out probably your your top ten teams, top fifteen teams in the country, um, are falling in that non conference slate. Yeah, the Big East. It's hard to really get excited about any of those games feels like there's going to be UConn and then like six or seven teams that are all kind of at the same level behind them or maybe I think maybe Mar- going to be in a tier of their own a little bit I yeah and really good Marquette I think will have a pretty solid team but there's not going to be that potential challenger to UConn the way that Villanova was last year That's- Villanova will be a good team, but you lose Maddie Segrist, who is one of the better players to ever go through that program. You're going to inevitably the, take the best, back. the best player to ever go through that program. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all to say. Just I, the best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just do not know my Villanova women's basketball history well enough. I didn't want to knock anyone in the past, but I think she holds pretty much safe bet. all of their records and is like their first WNBA pick. I think it's fair to say the best player that's ever gone through that program. Yeah, not that I think anyone would have argued with me if I said that I didn't want to. <laughs> I have my respect for the history. I don't want to offend anyone that played yes, in 1986. Yes. Fair. <laughs> but yeah, it feels like it's going to be. I don't want to disrespect it by saying one of those American seasons, but I don't feel like we're going to get barring UConn just deciding not to show up for a game the way that they did with St. John's last year. And even if they don't show up for a game, they have so much talent and they have so many different pieces that 
I really, really do not see them losing a non-conference game this year. Again, knock on wood, assuming nothing bad happens. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think assuming nothing bad happens, I don't think they lose a conference game. But it does I would say that I think Creighton's probably a top twenty team though. Like they, they get pretty much their whole that core four of seniors that are probably all now like fifth years back that have have been there for the last now it'll be the third straight season um so i do think korean's gonna be good but at the same time i don't think they're gonna be we're gonna challenge a fully healthy UConn team good yeah i saw something with creighton the other day the fact that lauren jensen molly mogensen morgan molly and emma rosniak are still there it's probably because they were all freshmen when UConn rejoined the Big East, right? <laughs> so I have no recollection of what Creighton was doing before they joined or before UConn came back, obviously. <laughs> it just feels like they've been there forever because, yeah, this is year number four in the Big East. So anyone who's a senior is going to feel like they've been around since forever. Yeah. <laughs> it agrees. I also feel like it's kind of rare these days that you see like a whole class of players that are like, like the starting lineups from the same class um and that's that's probably why it feels that way to extend too but yeah i'm reading it now and all of them just say seniors they don't even say fifth years so they really just have been there for four years it just feels like forever yeah i mean creighton probably does have the formula for an upset in the same way that they have the formula to lose by 45 Mm -hmm. on a given night because they're so reliant on that three-pointer. If they shoot like 80% from three and just cannot miss, then yeah, UConn's going to have its hands full. But there's not a whole lot of games on UConn's schedule that you look at and say, yeah, that one could probably go either way. Like, yeah, I don't think NC State or Maryland or North Carolina or Louisville even South Carolina, I would be surprised if UConn dropped that one. So then you talk about UCLA and Texas and Notre Dame as <laughs> potential losses in there. I I was thinking about this because I had to write something on the 2010 team and just the juggernaut that they were. I feel like they'd probably benefit from losing to UCLA or Texas just take the pressure off. You don't even have to think about an undefeated season because you know that the moment that they beat Notre Dame, that conversation spikes yeah, if they're still undefeated by then. That's true. If you lose that early, especially like early game Thanksgiving break in the Cayman Islands to what should very easily be a top five team this year, like with the UCLA game, like that's not a bad loss at all. And then the pressure is off uh less than a month into a season you know where there will be undefeated talk going on though baton rouge yes you want to hear the non-conference schedule (laughs) it's not as bad as it was last year i feel like there was at least one game on there that i was like that's interesting (laughs) there this is this is just simply presenting what the non-conference schedule is i am not providing any commentary on it i would like to make that clear (laughs) if you don't know what i'm talking about then that's great news. They open the season Colorado. Then it's Queens, Mississippi Valley State, Kent State, Southeastern Louisiana, Texas Southern, Niagara, Virginia, Virginia Tech. That one. Wait. Virginia Tech's a good game. That's a good game. 
Oh, they don't play Virginia Tech in the Caymans. I'm confused. Don't, I'm also not confused by that, but okay. Do you think that whoever made the schedule flipped the games with Virginia and Virginia Tech? Very possibly, because is Virginia going to the Cayman Islands? I don't even know. I don't think so. That's got to be Virginia Tech at the Caymans and then Virginia elsewhere. I'll, I'll put you on research for that. But yeah. uh, UL Lafayette, McNeese, Northwestern State, Coppin State, Jacksonville, and then you get into SEC play. Then an SEC play. I mean, LSU is the favorite as they should be, but you got South Carolina down. I think I, Tennessee still could be good. I no. think people are. They still have Rakia no. Jackson. They added Jewel Spear. It's an interesting team. They've been an interesting team for like 15 years. Now. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship. I'm just saying it's not like a cakewalk conference game either. Sure. Sure. I'm, um, I'm not buying. I'm not buying stock in Tennessee, though. That Colorado game is a decent game, too. Yeah, they were in Seattle with UConn, weren't they? Like, I don't yes. I don't think did they play. Were they in the same bracket or were they also just? No, in I think Seattle? they played Iowa. They played Iowa. I'm pretty That's sure. Right. It was like a, they kept it interesting. They didn't. Yeah, I. Win, their coach they kept was it cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, Coy Miller's still there. Yeah, like I, I think that's an intriguing team. And if nothing else, can... that's a good litmus test for the season opener because it's right. not like LSU is just straight running it back. They added Nisa Morrow and Haley Van Lith. How that all comes together is truly going to be fascinating and i mean that completely earnestly they're a really interesting team this season i agree it's it's very interesting i think it's three obviously very talented players three very big personalities i think it's going to be really fascinating to see how it all comes together yes um i'm terrified if we continue talking to lsu though speaking of um maybe they are playing virginia in the Cayman Islands, though, because Virginia is also on that list. The list is UConn, LSU, Virginia Tech, UCLA, Kansas, Niagara, Tulane, and Virginia. So maybe it's like, I don't even understand how the schedule works, but. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Yeah, no, uh, Virginia's schedule has LSU on it, too. It's very weird how it's just two games instead of like a tournament format. Mm-hmm. I don't really get the point of that, but Me I guess that's... But, I mean, and... I think UConn got two, like, if they weren't going to get, you know, obviously they weren't going to give them two marquee matchups with, like, LSU or Virginia Tech. So I think Kansas is a really solid second opponent to get out of that field. Yeah. There's the whole thing with the teams that win the WNIT very frequently go on. That's very often a harbinger of success for programs. Mm-hmm. I know Arizona with Adia Barnes is like the perfect example of that. Yeah. They won the NIT. I don't remember the exact timeline, but we're in the final, we're in the national championship game, not long after that. So it's, I feel like we talk about middle class opponents on the non-conference schedule a lot this time of year and that's a really good middle class opponent where you're even if it's a blowout you're gonna have to earn that blowout 
Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, a game that's something UConn should win probably rather easily, but at the same time, it's still a decent opponent. It's something that's going to look good on the resume come March, most likely. It's a team that's also like pretty interesting in a, I don't know, a Big 12. I think that's pretty wide open outside of Texas at the top this year. So, yeah, the potential tournament game or tournament opponent, NCAA. Mm-hmm. A potential team that makes the tournament is oh, yeah. what I was going for there. Yeah. I do think, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the fact that it's only two regionals, there's like no chance UConn doesn't end up in Albany, right? Yeah. Bart, Paul, you you never know, but yeah, basically, I would say no chance they don't end up in Albany. Which, brutal, because the other one is Portland, Oregon. Yeah, see, like, there's something about that time of year where like everything's so busy that the convenience of just having to get to Albany doesn't sound that unappealing. <laughs> I know, but like last year, if it wasn't Seattle, you get Greenville and Greenville's a good city. And I say this as someone that explored Minneapolis for, I think like I had three hours during that final mm-hmm. four to go do stuff in Minneapolis. So it's not like I really see a city during the NCAA tournament anyways, but Albany is just so boring. So boring. Like that there's there's nothing. There is nothing going on. <laughs> in Albany. It's very it's very true. My I have family up there. There there truly is nothing. <laughs> Although I say that they do have the New York State Museum. And if you need something to do like one afternoon in Albany, that is a very, very good museum. And it's free ish it's one of those like oh please donate but we're not (laughs) enforcing it type of museums but it's a really good museum so there's one thing to do in albany i think i've been there as like a small child visiting my grandparents but not in any like recent time that i remember yeah but otherwise albany it is (laughs) cleveland for the final four I've actually heard good things about Cleveland. Yeah, it's a solid city. I, I, It was much nicer than I thought it would be. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is fantastic, but also incredibly overwhelming. There's so <laughs> much in that. So, 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 so much that I, I came out of that museum like genuinely fried. Like I had just worked an entire day. That There's just so much information coming at you. So if you do go to Cleveland for the final four, break that up in a couple of days. I was going to say, maybe I'll have to add a day to my trip and not leave immediately after this this year to have a chance to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then it's tough because it ends and it's like a Monday. What? Well, just fly out like late on a Monday and you get that yeah. whole Monday. And actually take the day off from work and not do my typical, oh, I'll work today. <laughs> Always a poor decision. <laughs> As we drive back from Houston, having just yeah. watched UConn men's basketball in the national championship, but also having only slept like two hours the night before. Yes, you got a nice preview to whatever the heck I do on the phone all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of cities that I have no desire going to, Las Vegas, the WNBA finals are underway. It is as literally everyone predicted at the start of the year, Vegas and the New York Liberty, Asia Wilson versus Brianna Stewart, the two super teams. 
Stewie, the 2023 MVP, there were three options. Any three would have been a good option. The fact that there's the discourse that there is around it is ridiculous. But do you have a prediction for how these finals go? I don't have a strong feeling. Like I think it really could go either way, which I guess should at least make for good television and, and good basketball. My like inner Stewie fan wants to say New York and five. I think five. I think it's gonna go to five games regardless. I'll say New York and five, but I think it should be a good series regardless. Yeah, I think Las Vegas is the better team. I think they have the better chemistry because they've been together longer. But I will count out Brianna Stewart in a cha- with a championship on the line yeah. at my own risk, and I will not be doing that this time. So yeah, I like <laughs> the Liberty in five. But if the Aces win, I don't think it's like, oh my God, what happened to Stewie? No, the Aces are really good. Yeah, agreed. On that note, that'll do it for episode 100 of Chasing Perfection. Thank you all for listening to this point. Here's to 100 episodes and many more. We will attempt. This is probably an empty promise. No, this is not an empty promise, actually. We will have a guest on at some point before the start of the season. Guest number three, eventually. (laughs) So I will leave you with that teaser. So on that note, thanks for listening.